Okay, all this was filmed and it seemed epic and we got amazing footage. Now, how do I put this into a piece that people give a shit about that isn't just like, we went to Norway. I was a designer and art director for seven years in creative agencies before I got into photography. Norway was the first country I visited outside of the US. It was my first real photography job that led me out there that I left my design job for. I was still shooting on my phone and I was like, I need to get a real camera. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so I was like, after I get back from Norway, I am making shit happen nonstop. I am gonna be shooting anything. Dog portraits, family photos, graduation, I didn't care. Money was money, 200 bucks here, 400 bucks there. I was like, yeah, I'm making way more money than I was designing. Honestly, I think most people getting in photography are doing it for the wrong reasons. It seems like they're only doing it for social and like, to, how do I get followers and all this shit? It's like, that, that happened on the back burner for me though. I was creating a crate. I posted twice a day for five years, every day. And I think just counting your blessings and like reeling it back in. Like, dude, we're all sitting at this table being able to talk about just like life and experience. People dream about this stuff. To own this mic, to own these headphones, to like pay for an apartment, to do anything, right? You're living someone's dream every day. That to me is like resets me to be like, okay, you can be hungry and content, but not satisfied in a healthy way. Like I want to be doing more. I want to be giving back more. I need to be doing more for people that have done so much for me. And I think my dad taught me a lot about just like take care of the people that take care of you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 88 of the 505 podcast. Happy Thanksgiving. Come on, what are you grateful for? Give me one. My boy. Come on. My boy, B-Fig. The 505 podcast, The Rocks. Jeez, I am very grateful for Rock Nation. And we have, I think, one of our most special episodes to date. I'm very excited for you guys to hear this one. Uh, I think it's rare that you get to hear one of the one percenters yeah. in our space. Someone who I think is at the fucking top of their game, who crushes it, equally as nice of a person as their yeah. crazy work, which is rare, I feel like. Did we level up as a podcast having him on? Oh, yeah. Guest? Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. But what you're saying is like, it's so true. Like you have expectations for how the episode's going to go. Um, you really never know because we had never met him before. So you never know like what they're going to be like in person. And after meeting him, having conversation with him on the podcast and getting to talk to him a little bit after we recorded, like it makes you want to root for him even more one it makes you like like him as a person too and it you realize that like where he's at it's not a mistake like the dude is so dialed as a creator and everything that he does and i i hope that you guys feel this with things that we put out like we want to strive to be like this person because he was telling us this process during the show and after the show and whether it's you know whether it's a physical product whether it's a digital product whether it's a lut pack whether it's a workshop it's all at the highest possible caliber and i hope that you know you guys take that into the things that you're doing and you try even if it's the mom and pop shop down the street or it's a $50,000 commercial. You're doing it at your best capability possible and you're bringing on people. Like it was just so cool to hear. Like, dude, also not fair. He's a he's a designer. Cheat code. He is a photographer. He yeah. has video. Does it all. Does it all, dude. It's like insane. And it, it was really cool though to hear his backstory and how he was working at these design firms and how it kind of came up in the beginning of Instagram. Wasn't even using a camera. Flip phone, dude. Yeah. So if you're sitting on your ass at home and you're like, I need a reason to start, <laughs> use this man's story as a reason yeah. to get you off your bed and start taking photos, start taking videos, start designing stuff. Just go after something that you want to do. Like his energy is infectious. You're going to hear it and you'll be like, I need to get my ass up and get to work. It made me feel like I need to even level up my own like content and work ethic and, and go about things because you see someone who's at the top of their game and 
it's like no accident that they're there. And it's like, okay, well, the reason why they're there is because they're so meticulous about everything and they're everything that he puts out, he's trying to make like as good as possible. And speaking about something that he's putting out as good as possible is the movie, the short oh, film come on. that he was telling us about. I'm excited to hear it. I mean, Me it, it's going to come out, I believe at the end of the year, you guys will be able to watch it on YouTube. We're stoked to watch it. We yeah. haven't watched it yet. Um, but also, he, he talks about the openness and the vulnerability of these conversations that he's having in the show, something that I feel like most of us probably never talk about, yeah. which is kind of crazy, you know? And so he's explaining this to us during during the episode, and he's also uh, sharing why he brought certain people with him to help him with this film and what the process was like. He shot the whole thing with his buddies. He also edited the entire thing. He did everything. Colored the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy and very interesting to learn about making a 30-minute piece. I've never made something that long. It was very cool to hear. Neither have I, and it's a little bit daunting. Mm. And just hearing his whole process of like, you know, what he thought it was going to be going into it. And then like all the challenges that he faced, it was really, really interesting to hear that. Um, before you guys even ask, yes, we did ask him about how he gets such creamy colors and tones. Like, don't even worry about it. But even that dude is like his mindset going into like how he colors stuff is just on a level that I've never heard anyone explain it before. Yeah. It was so interesting. And I mean, dude, Let's get into it. Yeah. Without further ado, yo, listen, wear your stretchy pants today. Don't be wearing regular pants to Thanksgiving. Two orders <laughs> of stuffing, dark meat on the side, and we'll see you guys all in the next one. Short stash. Come on, let's go. We should have him do the crack. I yeah. mean, we've been accidentally <laughs> yeah. podcasting. Oh, yeah. Minutes, Sorry. <laughs> so, okay, Garrett, give okay. me the one-handed crack. High right. hopes. So, Are you a lefty or righty? Uh, I'm ambidextrous. Oh, oh, right. oh, oh shit. Okay. Yeah, so we go up here. That was spin, good. spin that thing I mean, around for me. Dude, nine one. Welcome yeah. to the oh, show. Right. Right. That might Welcome be that? the show. That was a, that's uh, a high for the last year by far. Is it because it didn't crack all the way? It, it was a little bit of a softer crack. It, did, it didn't uh, really have like that. He doesn't believe like in a disc. Disc. And there was just a little bit of spillage on the lid. So if you yeah. wouldn't have had that, very there, loose we been, booty. We would have been a nine yeah, four. <laughs> we would have been Damn. at a nine four. Dude, right. welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm so hyped you're here. Thank you guys for having me. You know, I gotta I gotta say, you're a little bit too nice on the score for him. Because I'm a little bummed that we didn't get the invite to your short <laughs> film, dude. Oh yeah, dude. I no, I had. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's my bad. I had. No, no, um, I'm totally <laughs> messing with you. I'm with like, you. I'm like, how did I miss that? Well, for one, I had a lot of people. I didn't know if they were going to be in town. It was on a Thursday night, which turned out to be a great night because on the weekends people are obligated. Right. Like, oh, mm. I I don't think so, but um, I had a lot of like close friends and other creatives, there was a lot of powerful people in there that night because it just, I feel like I know a lot of people, but also they're genuine. So I didn't personally invite anybody that I just wanted there for clout type of shit. I actually know them. And one of which was Matt Como and uh, just a super nice dude. One of the most genuine guys I've ever met. And he was so stoked to be there. He showed up by himself. He's That's everywhere. Awesome. Yeah. He's just like, I don't, he's like, I'm so stoked for this shit, man. And I was just like, Hell yeah. you know, which is kind of intimidating for me because I just look up to a lot of other people and right. he's directed a lot of things. This was the first film that I directed and like was in and helped film and then did all the post-production. Oh, crazy. It. So it was cut it the whole thing yourself. Cut it, colored it, narrated oh, it, all on. the sound design, all of it, all the way until the end. And like the last probably 10%, uh, my buddy Taylor came in clutch, uh, who's a sound audio engineer and does a lot of mixing and he tightened everything up, which was huge. Cause you can get it all the way there and then you think that it all sounds great. And then you're like, I don't know, it's kind of, basically I was like, dude, if you can make this sound bomb on someone's 
iPhone speaker, that's what we need because that's how most people will play mm -hmm. it. You know, it's like, obviously, if you can hear it in the headphones, it sounds badass, but I need people to who, you know, my parents are like, oh, this sounds great, right. you know, so. Holding it vertical and stuff. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> that that was the goal. So, but dude, I would, uh, the second premiere, I mean, I'll send it to you guys. Dude, I'll fly out to Canada. I know it's coming <laughs> up, dude. <laughs> it is, it'll be in Calgary. That one will be pretty big. That one's gonna be probably about 200 people. Wow. But that one's at this, uh, as, I've never been there before. It's this venue uh, called Studio Bell, I okay. think. It looks incredible, but I have a big Canadian audience, just mainly a lot of really amazing friends up there. Uh, if you guys were able to go to that one, that's like some of the best people we ever meet. Everyone's so kind. Everyone's really talented. We could hit Banff after, dude. Yeah, so that's going to a Banff That's trip. the goal. Well, either way, I'll send you guys the, the film just so you can watch it on your own time. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, mm -hmm. And then it'll go live at the end of the year, like on YouTube. But then I might try to submit it places I, I you should know. you should i've yeah. seen that I, I saw the trailer it's we'll in lafoten islands right yeah i've been there in the winter though so i couldn't make that Brutal. hike but yeah pretty we, yeah the first time i went was like late fall okay and so it was really pretty but then it limits you you basically no hikes right. you're kind of it's too dangerous so where is this like, so it's up in the north in uh norway it's like way at the top in the mm -hmm. arctic circle basically the whole point of the film it's called along the way and it's the untold moments between your friends and essentially i've done all these trips over the years but the idea was to talk about basically pulling the curtains back and talking about real shit that all of us were going through. We all talk, you guys probably all talk about this day to day, but no one will talk about it on film. Mm. Everyone's too like, oh man, it needs to be hype footage and cool shit and all these things that really no one cares about. Honestly, everyone is so talented that you can't really pull, pull, pick apart what someone did unless it's a massive signature like oh that style so stylistic this person did it i for one am not even that stylistic i feel like i want someone to hear what i'm doing see what i'm doing and be like that was short stash for sure because of this and if that's the words that were spoken and the way people feel after that then that's successful you know everything can only look so good right so at the end of the day i was like all right well at least the film will look incredible we have amazing footage. The way it was shot was really dynamic. Um, it was just four of us in it. It was my buddy who's a producer. He didn't really film much. He's not really a filmer. He can shoot photos, but he's like, I'm, he planned the whole trip and I helped, helped do that with him. Then there was two other cinematographers besides myself, my buddy Cass, another buddy RJ. RJ is a filmmaker out of Vancouver. Absolutely incredible dude. And Cass, who's been like my little brother, he's filmed for years. And so we all four were in it all four filmed it didn't have anybody else and i wanted it to be like how do we do this in such a cinematic and cool approach that like it seems like a crew is here mm. and so that was a challenge in and of itself but essentially we wanted to talk about stuff that um which i left with on the trailer just do you feel like you're doing enough quality things in your life before you die and like needing to be there for people when they need you most and we talk about a lot of just like heavier shit of feeling like i'm absolutely burnt out in certain ends or I feel like I can't keep up with myself or with other people around me. Um, you know, basically life isn't what it seems both on the negative end and the positive end, right? We only see the hype stuff on social media. And so I just wanted to like have a long form, you know, styled film that people feel like they kind of sit in and be like, fuck, I really relate to that. And, um, it's just nice to kind of open the doors, especially with men to just be vulnerable about that stuff because we all need it, man. Everybody's struggling with something or they feel like they can't talk about that stuff. Um, and so Cass and I had a really heartfelt moment in the film where we are talking about, you know, I said, 
essentially I had to cut a lot of it out just because it was such a long conversation. That's always a hard part in cutting too. It was just like, damn, I wish everybody could hear all of it. But one, we don't have enough B-roll and two, like, is it relatable enough for people, right? To not lose interest. So we were basically, you know, when he came into my life, he was kind of like the little brother I wish I always had. And I was the older brother for him because he didn't really grow up with parents per se, um, in a way. And I'll just kind of keep it that that short he was basically on his own a lot and so um really tough deal he would have never he should have never made it out the way he did one of the best dudes ever met so kind and loving and just wouldn't it just doesn't track with how he was brought up and so um anyway we were there for each other in life and uh i kind of broke down as i was chatting with him i said you know what man it's just it's so inspiring to see how far he's come and i know that he wanted me to be kind of a mentor for him in his career but he's taught me more you know, in my life than I could ever teach him about his career. And, uh, man, I was just getting choked up chatting. Our buddy RJ was just there. We were all hanging out and I just started filming and we just went with it. And, you know, I just stuff like that. And he, you know, was just taken back and was like, you know, I love the shit out of you. And I wish that, you know, things were different. We saw each other more. I don't see him that much anymore, but he, because he's so busy with work and he's, just really progressed in his career and it's just awesome for me to see and so long story short just stuff like that that is more compelling i think people can relate to little bits and pieces you don't have to be creative right you don't have to be a photographer and stuff like that and that just is much more impactful to me than like hype shit oh yeah people have gone to norway have gotten incredible stuff the place is beautiful it's a 12 out of 10 and it's who got lucky with conditions, who did this, who did that. You know, it's like just all shit and we didn't care. It's like when we show up, whatever, if we get caught in a storm the entire time, we're just going to film about it because it's not about that. It's about all the shit that's happening along the way that we just feel like resonates. And, uh, I'd never really seen anybody kind of, it sounds docu style, but I never really have seen anybody kind of open up and talk about that stuff and do it the way we did it. So it was cool, man. I would have done a lot of it different um come post-production but still came out sick i can't wait to see it i'm I'm very excited to see the film i mean we got a we got a big tv to pop it up oh yeah i need need to see it but had a sneak of flex in there no i had a great great (laughs) tv to pop that up what does that thing 70 inches (laughs) (laughs) but i i want to know when when with a piece like this it's so unique that is personal stories personal stories about your friends and you're going off to a foreign country obviously there has to be some level of preparation but it sounds like a lot of these moments just came naturally to you guys when you were out there so how do you go about um, I, I've never made something over like mm. 10 minutes. And so even 30s like seems very scary to me. And I, I, I know you from your amazing photos mm. and, and some of your video work as well. Um, but how do you go about structuring something that's 30 minutes that is so deep with your friends, people that you're going out on that trip with and, and be able to pull yourself back and say, oh, well, this is the portion that we like. We need this as a director. Mm. But as a friend, like I want to be here for my friends, like during these moments that we're having. Man, uh, I mean, that's a great question because one, um, I w- we were very, here's the thing, it's so hard to say, we were very unprepared in a sense, but also super equipped and prepared. It was, we had the bones, but not structure because we didn't know how it was going to play out. We just knew, let's capture these moments, let's cultivate some conversation, let's do fun shit, but let's also be present. Okay, that's not enough of a game plan though, because when I was going through post-production, I'm like, we filmed so much, but does it all go in? Does it not go in? What was worth it? What resonates with more people? What doesn't? 
like, does this reach mass audience intellectually or is this just so personal to me? Like what, how much more can I be tied to it, but I need to let go of. And I think that's why there's like director's cuts and stuff. It's hard because you just don't know what deserves to be in it. And like I said, I would do things differently knowing like, okay, if we were going to set up a conversation, let's have more than two cameras, let's do four people. But then here's the thing is not everybody's that good. Like not everybody is as good in camera as maybe you are, they are, whatever that is. Some people fumble their words. Some people are not good at being in front of the camera or they, they, you know, seize up. And so, because none of us are actors, it's like probably RJ and I are the most comfortable in front of camera because we've had to do it and like be in stuff regardless. And it's like, okay, I guess I'll just like star in it, even though I would rather be filming it. Mm. Um, Cass is somewhat comfortable. He's mainly filming. Adrian, our buddy is just like, not at all. He's just like, that's not for me. So it's funny because, but what was nice in the film is I put everybody's conversation in. We all have a place because I wanted it to be a film about all of us. And so that's kind of inspiring and influential is like just because you're not good at it doesn't mean it didn't deserve to be in there and i think it gave everybody a boost of confidence so like shit we're in it like that's you know our words were in it things like that so as far as a structure man the thing was is once i got back and i put all the footage together it was not enough of a story for me in my head of like okay all this was filmed and it seemed epic and we got amazing footage now how do i put this into a piece that people give a shit about that isn't just like we went to norway Uh, and i'm like how do i carry the weight with conversations how do i bridge the gap here how do i section this here how do i have this ebb and flow how do i have these mountains of like you know seriousness and joking and humor and i just had to break this down and um one person that probably knows the most is my fiance chelsea because she saw me go from nothing to being stressed out as like this imposter syndrome of like is this even good and like am i even equipped to do this or am i good enough to put a film out and then let alone a premiere so I just kind of said, fuck it and got in there and just started kind of piecing this together. I, t- I, you know, one thing that really inspired me was like, I think I'm just going to color the entire thing. Every piece and time I had like, like 50 timelines put down into 20, put down into 10 massive sections. It's like, I'm going to color all of these. Cause color, I just like love that speaks to me the most. Cause it's a lot more inspiring to see scenes and, you know, color theory come into play and, um, contrasting, you know, separate colors in blue and, and like warmer tones and also like a night scene to a morning scene and just like playing that or a moody scene. And that to me is, well, I was like, all right, if I don't know anything, I'm going to color everything. And that way that has to get done at some point. So I'm going to do that. And then I'll kind of be like inspired to start putting this ebb and flow. So that's the way I did it. That's obviously not, I don't think typical, but I did that, uh, that way. And then I started kind of piecing together what these segments were going to be. And I was like, you know what? I think I need to have chapters and it's not going to be enough to just have music and sound effects and like all this just visual stuff. I'm going to need a narrator. So I was like, that's going to have to be me. This is my thing. It's my film. So I narrated all of it and getting comfortable doing that. I was like, I've never narrated anything. So it was just like all new at once. Were you a writer before the film? No. Oh, wow. So it, I mean, it should be inspiring and well, hopefully don't, I won't say that now, but hopefully if you guys enjoy it, it might be inspiring where you're like, wow, because I'm just like not a writer. I'm not like a, I don't write screenplays. We had a loose structure, like I said, but we didn't have enough like, um, let's do a five minute timer on this conversation, right? Like let's, we got to cut it because I can't do any more than that in the film. You know what I mean? Not go 15 minutes and have to piece together 
what that looked like. That was the hardest part because we had a lot of 10 and 15 minute conversations, but we're just also living in the moment and having that depth. So that was a tough part, man. And then cutting that stuff down and then choosing what stays in and out. And like, I don't know, there was a lot of stuff I left out that really resonated, but just maybe it was too personal. I'm so excited to see it because so I go on like a annual camping trip with like some buddies every year. Sick. And we always like the goal is the hike, but we always end up having like yeah. pretty deep conversations. And I actually feel like that's just kind of like a part of like a guy's hiking trip, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like people talk about that really or fucking film it, which is really yeah. cool. But like, are you showing when you're showing it to other people, especially being in the room, do you feel like pretty vulnerable, like sharing those conversations with audience of kind of some strangers some not yeah i mean especially in this i mean it's a basically like matt sent me a text and was like dude fuck the imposter syndrome stuff he's like you crush it you should be very proud to stand up there um to put your name on that and that was super kind of him he also sent it out of nowhere you know i wasn't like hey what'd you think of the film you know it's Mm. like tell me nice things it's like everybody was genuinely like hey man this shit hit me and I haven't really felt much from a film in a while. And I just really appreciate that. And, and it is scary because, you know, not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to like resonate or most people will be like, yeah, it was really, I mean, super sick. Like it was well filmed. Um, but that's the thing. It's like, I think you just get it out of your head. And my thing was is like, listen, not everybody has the balls to talk about all this shit or film it or be on camera and then put it out there. So we're already winning by just being vulnerable and sharing it with people. So if they like it, whatever. And if not, it's like, I don't care. It's like, they didn't do it and they wouldn't do it, right? Most people are like, I would never do that. And so was this your first like short film? Yeah. And is the longer form short film type of content something that you're looking to do more of in the future? Definitely, just because it was, but not alone. That's the thing. And it wasn't like these guys bailed on me in post-process, it was just everybody was so busy when we got back from the trip that it was like months of compounding, like I gotta sit down and go through it, I gotta, and then I didn't realize once I finally was able to sit down, I blocked out two months to just basically put 100 hours into it and in between jobs and it was just like, I didn't know what I had until it was laid out and then was like, I don't know how to map this out. I do not know how to map this out. I know the footage is the best, so no one can really help me. They don't know what what was said. They don't know the impact. They don't know the narrative that I want to say or tell or bring it out of me. So it was like very alone in that process. And so that was tough. I just... If in reality you'd have editors coming through the footage of selects, they kind of know the vibe, then you start constructing something, then you have some variables, then it's the coloring, then some sound, you know, like you have a team. That is what will happen in the future. It just, it was so much to then do that and post. Basically, all that time costs money, right? Like I'm just donating shitloads of money at you know, just to make this happen when in reality, like the project was funded and stuff by Canon and all that stuff, but lost so much money on the project, honestly, just all the work put into it. And, and, you know, and then I licensed a track from Naked and Famous, which took eight months to do because that song resonates with me and was a huge part of growing up. They're like, when you guys hear it in the film, you're just like, damn, just gets you right in the feels. Cause you're like, oh man, that like takes me back to whatever moment you, it's kind of like MGMT and all those songs. You're like, oh man, it's one of those feel goods. And I was like, I want something like that in the film, but people that are like closer to my age will know like, or, and most people will be like, I think I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. Right. But the real ones will be like, oh shit. You know, it's kind of like M83 when like Kurt Morgan put out Art of Flight. People are just like, yeah. all that slow-mo footage. And everybody's like, 
wow. So that took forever. I'm like getting the executive um, producer agent who like was a lifesaver. And I got in contact with him through Kurt Morgan because he's Kurt's a buddy of mine. And he was like, hey, this guy will hook like get you the right direction. And that took just so long because they're not a band anymore. So it just, um, I think it ended up costing like three or four grand when in reality it's nothing, but, uh, just the, the steps to get there was just like, this takes forever, man. And clearance. And, uh, because they were signed to two of the biggest labels, it was like universal and cobalt. So it was like, mm-hmm. of course, so I was like, you gotta pay both studios. And I was just like, I was like, I don't know, this is worth it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And that's the thing. I'm like, I don't know. Is my film even like that worth it? Right. Like, is this going to be that good or, you know? And I was just like, fuck it. Like it's, I've gone through All this is happening for a reason. It took that long for a reason to get that song because that's when I was able to finally start working on the film and like everything happened for a reason, man. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's similar to a musician making a song and spending like so much time making the song and you're so excited when you first start producing it, like you have like this new right. melody, right? Mm. And then you work on it so much that you feel like it's already been out for months because you've heard it so many times. Like, did you have that similar feeling of like, you finished the, the movie or you had been working on it for so long, you felt like it had been already out for so long, but you have to remind yourself that like, no one has seen this before except for yeah. me. I mean, the only person that's seen it more than me is Taylor, my buddy Taylor Fiore, the one that master audioed at the end because mm. he had to watch it through so many times. And then I watched it through with him because like I have sensitive ears too. And I'm like, hey, let's bump this up. Let's squeeze this in. Like, let's, I, I want to hear a little bit of this or a little bit of that. And he's like, okay. And, and so he has probably seen it more than me. And even he was like very emotional and so stoked to see it on the big screen. And uh, I think it's, yeah, it's like just in your head. And after a while, you're like, I don't know. I was just like, it's honestly a bad thing to keep watching it and going through yep. that stuff because then there's stuff you might want to change. Or like, I, I, you just, it, sometimes it just quits hitting. Mm. Sure. And you're numb to it. And yeah. then you're just like, I don't know. So when you were cutting, say say you did like five minutes or something, would yeah. you go back and rewatch the five or would you be like, no, we're fucking going from five to 10 today? I, I was. Um, I did uh, chapters. Okay, so the chapters, okay. So there's four chapters. Okay. One thing I am stoked about, so basically, long story short, the film basically got constructed backwards. So when I got home, it was like, okay, it wasn't like, we're gonna, these are the chapters. I had to make up the fact that there were chapters and then also, how does the story flow? There was just no structure. So to do that backwards with all footage is not recommended. I think a lot of people have done that, you know, or not done it because they gave up. That was not great, but I'm very proud to where it became because I'm like, holy shit. I basically came out of this with thin air because there was, you know, and the way you score music and the way you put the flow in depicts how the footage can be seen, right? Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I did it in chapters. So I was like, I'm going to nail down this chapter today and how's that flow? Is this going to have in between? Is this going to be kind of the chill section for a second before we ramp it up or, you know, do this? So it's uh, that was happy that would help me because that way i was like these two chapters are solid okay now i can take a break now i'm gonna move on to the next one why go to norway for the film and then why specifically these three guys bring them together obviously you're super close with all of them and like they hold a special place in your heart um but why the decision to go to norway and bring mm-hmm. these specific guys together sure so the point was uh 
in reality, even pitching it to Canon, I said with or without them, when I had signed with them, I was like, hey, I'm going to do this passion project anyway. If you guys want to be a part of it, it actually be make a lot of sense. Um, it was the reason for going, not the reason for the film. And I realized that later on, I was like, you know, this is like a time to make something way bigger than just like myself of like, I'm going back. What it was is I was a designer and art director for seven years in creative agencies before I got into photography. And uh, Norway was the first country I visited outside of the US besides like Mexico, I'm from Texas. And so um, Norway was the first country and it was a job, it was my first real photography job that led me out there that I left my design job for. So this company now clothing wanted, hired me and Adrian who's on the trip and another buddy to be like, hey, pick a country, get your boys, we're gonna outfit you, do what you do. And I was like, this is insane. You're gonna pay us. And then it was like, yeah, we have these, we have this rate. I probably lowballed it at the time, but it was a lot of money for us. And yeah. I was like, shit, like uh, I was still shooting on my phone. And I was like, I need to get a real camera. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I need to get uh, probably some lenses and shit that I can, you know, I did. If we're gonna be shooting this stuff, I can't use my phone because for I kind of took off on Instagram with just my phone. I didn't really have a lot of money, and I just wasn't making hardly anything in my design jobs. I loved it. I was in Colorado at the time, amazing jobs. I was working on in clients, but just I was making like thirty five, thirty seven thousand dollars a year, man, living in Denver. Wow, that was just nothing. And so the weekends were the only time I could survive to just go explore at a cheaper cost. I couldn't go to bars, couldn't do anything else because it was just like, just didn't afford it. Loved my job, not enough to, you know, and I got a different job in Boulder, loved that one. But at the time it was like, photography was picking up and I was like, this shit is very fun and I love it and I'm in the moment and we're doing all this fun shit and now companies are like, hey, we're gonna send you this kayak. Hey, we're gonna send you all this gear that stuff that I was gonna pay for and buy. And at the time you have no idea. And they're like, yeah, just post a photo for us. Like I would shoot this shit anyway. But you guys are gonna give me like a $2,000 kayak and like fit us out in like five grand worth of gear. It's like, great. So back then it was different because people were really trying to put, that was social media, uh, like advertising was not even a thing. Influencer is not a word and I hate that word. I'm more known as like a craftsman and like an artist, right? Like we're all known for our craft. This influencing shit is just like, it is a thing. Obviously people make really good money, but that word is just like, it is the worst, but that's what was happening back then. And so anyway, they uh, hit us up and like, hey, pick a place and we're like Norway seems like the most expensive country in the world right now. <laughs> it is. bro I studied abroad there Dude, shit is unreal <laughs> cook every meal yeah <laughs> yeah unreal very expensive place Chase would cook every I did every meal. single one dude but for me, it was like, dude, I love Scandinavian design. I love in like interior design. I love architectural design. I was like, this place is sick. You know, we'd seen a lot of stuff, some on social media. I had a bunch of homies via Instagram who lived in Germany who had kind of made their way up there sometimes. And just, it was pretty unknown at the time. A lot of this was like Google searching and places to go and like little Nordic cabins to stay in, very much out of like our wheelhouse of like, this is kind of an unknown spot, but very cool. And um, so anyway, they, they were like, this is perfect. That aligns with our brand too. Like that's, that's great. So we did it. And uh, anyway, long story short, I ripped the rug out from underneath me, left my job, gave him plenty of notice, but left my design job, came back and was freelance ever since. And so I was like, after I get back from Norway, I am making shit happen nonstop. I am gonna be shooting anything, dog portraits, family photos, graduation, I didn't care. Money was money, 200 bucks here, 400 bucks there. I was like, yeah, I'm making way more money than I was designing. Um, I have no health insurance or any of that, but I'm also just like my own schedule, right? And so 
anyway, long story short, uh, seven years after that was when we went to Norway last year. Um, I wanted to go back with one of my same homies, Adrian, um, and actually see some of the stuff we didn't get to see the last time and then bring two of my closest buddies in. And uh, the reason for Canon was like, that's the starter gear. I, I had like a nifty 50 and like a 10 to 20 lens. And uh, those two, that was it. I only had two lenses and I had a um, 60D and uh, that was it. And then just like took off with it. And um, so seven years later, signed to the same brand. And back then, that's what I started with, but then signed with them to go back. So that was the reason for going back. Um, but that was just like, that's not enough of a story. You know, that was a part in the film where I was like, hey, it's in that trailer. I said, it's good to be back, like after all these years. Um, but then it dives into like, wow, we're actually being there. So that's, that's kind of awesome. why the crew. And then also I needed people who I could trust filming, obviously. And then dudes, I would just love it. And everybody wanted to go back. Uh, well, Cass had never been, uh, RJ had never been, and so fresh to them, and then Adrian and I were like, we got to go back and hit some of these places we just couldn't do. So that's why. So with uh, with the phone photography, I, I scrolled all the way down, went to 2015, yeah. and we saw that you had posted your face for like one of the first times, and you were like, hey, it's me, I'm the guy like behind the camera, uh-huh. I usually shoot with my flip phone. And I was like... No fucking way. He used, he'd been using his phone because we're, we're going uh-huh. deep in the archives. And so when you finally decide to show your face, because it had been mostly portraits of friends, it had yeah. been wildlife out in nature in Colorado, um, was was that a scary decision? And now how do you feel about showing yourself like on the internet? So I had no idea. So short stash comes from a mustache growing contest we had it with a buddy back when we were in, um, we had a design agency together like I was working for him and uh at the time we were just doing some really cool uh design work for some buddies who were filming and we're doing some short stories about people in Texas and just just a side gig um and I was like short stat like short film short stash I bought shortstash.com like 12 years ago and so for a while it was just a design it was my design portfolio uh, so when I got on Instagram, I just did short stash as a username. Um, but I didn't think it was going to turn into an identity, like a brand. So what was cool is like, I mean, everybody got known for their handle, right? It was like so-and-so or, you know, Tweedle, whatever, what, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. It was like, oh, crazy trash hand and all these guys that had blown up. And it's like, huh, a lot of people just have their first and last name. And um, I was like, well, in longevity, if that were ever to happen to me, it's at least it's not tied to just me. It's like I can have an umbrella of something. So short stash forever. I never had a, I untagged myself or I didn't have anybody take photos of me or share really, or they, they did, but like it was never under my tag stuff. Cause I was this like anonymous figure forever. And it got to where I was probably like 30, I think it was like 40 K followers or something. And, uh, it just, no one knew what I looked like. So I was flying under the radar because my profile picture was like a, just a distant thing. No one would know. So that was cool because it was just like very taken back. And then I got to meeting all these other photographers and it was just like impossible. So, um, I just got used to like people taking photos and portraits of each other. And then it seemed like as years went on, people wanted me to be more in front of the camera and to like show more voice and, personality and like I think a lot of people think I'm pretty serious on my social media I take my brand very serious and my work serious but I'm a very fun loving like joking guy you don't really get that on my Instagram just because 
I'm probably super inappropriate or just laugh at shit that just people just don't, you know? And it's like, but it's also my brand. And so I can't, yes, everybody wants their personality tied in, but that's also like a benefit of getting to know me personally and having that like intimacy of like, oh, that's like my boy. Like I know him. So some people just leave it all out on social media and don't have any secrecy, right? It's like- So wild. It's strange, but it's like, I am just professional. And so if that's an extension of my brand, it's just- who I am. And I'm also not like a personality, like a YouTube where I can just turn it on. I'm like, Oh, what's up guys. It's short stash. And I just, I'm not that way. Mm. If I think some shit is funny, I just share it or like with no context or I'll just talk about it. But I don't know. So it is, it, there is a blessing to like show more of your personalities. People see that and they love to try to connect with you. But in another sense, like I don't owe people shit. I put my craft out there and if that's why they follow me, great. I think you have one of the most recognizable brands, by the way. I, I, if you see a set from you, I know it's yours, which has got to be an amazing feeling. I'm sure though that there's been times where people have tried to copy the style that you have created. Yeah. And so like, when when do you feel like that started to happen where you notice like these motherfuckers are copying my stuff but obviously it's not it's not short stash making it's yeah, not yeah. garrett king making the stuff um but w- what does that kind of internal monologue look like with when that starts to happen with your beautiful photos starting to take off and instagrams people are starting to see them from all over what does that look like it's i mean i think honestly it's just you have to take it as flattery yeah right and then the real ones know wh- what your work is yeah. and what aren't um the thing is though it's like a lot of people when they want to come up are latching on to anything they can to grasp at something that resonates with them. So like, oh, this people seem to like this. I'm going to copy this style. Like I've always been a type, uh, been in the typography and like hierarchy design, like how elements line up and magazine design, all that stuff. And I started incorporating typography into my work like years ago, but then that shit just took off rampant. Same thing with like journaling on my photos. That started when I went to Antarctica. Then all of a sudden people are scrubbing on their photos for no damn reason and doing dumb shit. And they're just like, yeah. And then, then being like, and then it's like, obviously you follow me and that's why you started doing that. And you, you skip the whole process like you're doing shit and you don't even know why you're doing it. Why are you, why? That's the whole point of being an artist is finding your own path. And it just, that started to drive me nuts because then these accounts would, I would randomly see me get tagged and people are like, this guy's a clown. And I see it and their whole feed is like typography and they try to do the same compositions of everything I was doing and trying to color it the same way. And a lot of these people, you know, bless them, dude, are talented. Mm. That's the thing. It's like, dude, you're a very good photographer, a great editor, but you're so much in someone else's style and shadow that like, you're never going to get your credit that you're doing yourself a disservice. And it's like, I see that all the time. Still people like, this guy's a, you know, the gas station short stash and shit like that. People just, you know, <laughs> it's just crazy. The Walmart version. Dude, yeah. I was, uh, I was asked to be gas station short stash once. Actually, I had a client send me one of your, the, a day in Positano as a reference for an edit, just a little weekend edit I was doing. I was like, all right, so here's the thing. This was shot on eight mil, right? In Positano. You sent me iPhone footage from downtown Los Angeles. Dude, give me a break. I was like, this this is not, it's like, it's like when they, when they want the Christopher Nolan movie, but they're like, yeah, but we have like a hundred bucks, yeah. you know? So I was like, we're not going to do that. It's just not going to look so right. Funny. But I was, I was cracking up and I was like, oh yeah, that was him. I, yeah, I was just on pot. It's no big deal. Awesome how we did it then. How about? It's like, it's like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I take it as flattery and yeah. that's really all you can too. But the, at the end of the day though, it's like, again, like you can wear yourself out. But what is crazy to me is when people are gaining these huge audiences around copying someone else's work and then people are just gassing them up. Like, this is so original. I love it and all this stuff. And some people are like, dog, 
I've seen this years ago. Mm. That's what's crazy is like, that makes me sad for other generations. These guys are literally capitalizing off anything that I do and then not saying a word. They're just like, yeah, this is sick. Me. This is me. And people are like, yeah, I love it. And it's just like, I don't care. Who am I to rain on their parade? Like, who cares? I didn't invent type. I didn't invent photos like and color theory. Like, who cares? It's just after you see it so much and these people getting gassed up and then all my buddies are like, they, that must just be it it's it makes me just not want to be on social at all honestly do it's you like, spend much time on social these days too much yeah not on not so much like on instagram but it's like i'll go down rabbit holes on tiktoks with things i think are very fascinating interesting sports related uh like dog related mm. so many like just dog videos me and my fiance send to each other and uh like babies and just all this stuff that like we cultivating conversations like romance and these cute kiddos and dogs and but it's as far as like art man i i think we're all so numb to uh talent that nothing is really engaging anymore like even work i still think that i need to be putting out much better work and we'll get into that and like i feel like there was times where i was really pushing into my career when i wasn't complacent now i feel super content but now it's time to absolutely unleash again so it for me um and also i put up a post the other day i said i'm i'm really holding it down for the photographers on instagram because i don't play the game i don't play into reels and like do all the like you know zooming in and out quick grab attention and all that stuff is a talent. People have done recipes for that stuff. And it's like, that does take time to edit and learn how that works and like studying demographics and crowd and like retention rate. That's just not me. I'm here to just put shit out that I'm excited about. And it's like, I'm not trying to gain followers anymore. I'm not trying to like impress anybody. And um, if I did spend time to play into it, I'd probably get a lot more out of it. But it is sad to see that like photography has taken a backseat for something that you've built for a decade. It's just like, but there's no other platform. Yeah, like 500 right. picks came and went. Uh, no compression. That that was a sick app. Um, Vero, love Vero. No one's on it. But like you can share books, trailers to stuff. You upload a video. Guess what? You can turn your phone and watch it in 4K. It's just like the best. They have no compression. Um, it's just so much better than Instagram. And there's no bullshit on there. And I just wish that there was more stuff like that because I think people would be more inclined to just put things out. Uh, but it just, I don't know. I mean, you know, what's interesting too is to your point, like a lot of these apps too are video first. Yeah. TikTok video first, Instagram now, they're fucking pushing. Somehow them. became, yeah, somehow video, became first video first when they're in, were in their Even photo the photographers app. are yeah. posting videos of them taking a photo. I know. Yeah, it, it's it, so annoying. Where, where do you feel like though these next, these next few years look, cause I've, you've built your brand. You mm -hmm. have, you have an established brand. People aren't going to give a fuck if you, you know what I mean? If, yeah. you, if you post videos or whatever, but like for the newcomers coming in that are sole photographers, like YouTube particularly, we do video mostly, like okay. you guys are photographers. What do you feel like that looks like for this next generation of photographers coming up? Honestly, I think most people getting in photography are doing it for the wrong reasons. It seems like mm. they're only doing it for social and like to how do I get followers and all this shit. It's like that that happened on the back burner for me though. I'm the wrong person to ask because that just happened alongside because I had other priorities. I was creating to create. I posted twice a day for five years every day putting stuff out that I like got back to every single person that commented for years on end and that shit was just growing and that's like 
why I was doing, I was just putting stuff out. I thought it was great. It wasn't to feed any bullshit. It was just like, I'm just gonna put stuff out because I think it looks sick. And I was like curating what things would look like. And it just, I really don't know, man. I ask myself that all the time and it makes me sad because I'm just like, it's just a different world and people have such strange priorities now and like feel so inclined to want to, I say this all the time, people are trying so hard fighting tooth and nail to be stuck inside this box that everyone thinks they're supposed to be locked into when the whole idea when they teach you as a kid is to think outside the box, man, be outside of this zone that everyone else is in. That's how you break out. You're not supposed to trap yourself in and then never break out. That's so crazy to me, but everybody stays locked into that one thing and they're like all video short form photos into reels. And this is what I do. And it's just, it will like, your happiness will completely deplete and, and, and just dry up, man. I've seen it. I've felt it. And that leads me into basically like, I don't know if you guys wanted to dive into that, what the next chapter for me yeah, looks like. Uh, yeah. yeah. Tell yeah, us. Yeah. Tell us. Sure. So basically this whole year, uh, I stated in a, so a big client of mine, um, Hyundai, they were like, Hey man, we have this project called, you know, it's Shoot, Hyundai. I'll oh, hell yeah. They, uh, <laughs> my bread and butter. They're just like great clients. Um, they work with several different agencies. Some are better than others. Uh, but I work for, <laughs> don't name names. No, no, no. Like they're, uh, they're ad agencies. Yeah, like exactly. the ones that delegate. It's like, <laughs> yeah, keep going. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's like coordination wise. You're like, that's not even a good idea. Right. And then they're hiring you to film man. you're just like, that is not who came up with that? <laughs> anyway, that also leads me into a whole nother point, but um, they're, they've been a great partner and been amazing over the years. And honestly, they hit me up about this campaign called It's Your Journey. And I was like, all right, immediately I'm not taking a road trip. I don't care about any of that shit. I don't want to do any of this like very, very straightforward ideas. It's like everybody would do that. I don't care what the road trip, I just don't care. That's not fulfilling to me. You guys could have a massive budget. I just, that's just, I can't do it. And I said, but what I can tell you though is the actual personal journey that I'm going on right now that I feel like it'd be a lot more impactful than anything with a car. And they're like, all right, let's hear it. And so I said, I feel very stuck and lost in my career at the moment. And everybody on the call was just like, it's not really what you want to hear from someone who you're trying to hire, but I said, I feel like my personal journey at the moment is just so stuck because I don't know what the next chapter looks like. Like, what is next? I feel like I've done a lot of my career. I feel very blessed, but this can't keep going the way it's going. And it's not. I think this year in particular for a lot of people just went, everything crashed, man. Budgets pulled, contracts pulled. I mean, for myself personally, just so much stuff was pulled, rescheduled, canceled, contracts didn't matter. You know, it's just like, wow, you go from making 60K to nothing on, you know, in a quarter. It's like, uh, that was supposed to be a pretty busy quarter. Now it's nothing. So stuff like that. Um, I was like, there has to be like, I've always wanted to do something that was going to be greater than myself. That's been the goal entirely. It's like, okay, if I can only do this brand myself for so long, and then I want to make something of it, right? That's what we all want essentially. And photography, it's usually just you, right? I think that's kind of why people love it in a sense of like single person sports, you know, like tennis and golf. It's just always going to be on you, right? Well, for me, I'm like, how can I push the envelope? And I've never really seen it done in a sense of like the way I'm doing it, but I didn't know what something bigger 
meant and looked like until I met my fiance and we started talking through things and how she inspired me to what it should be. And I said, you know, I've always wanted to start an agency, but like not just a production house, not just like calling an agency and it's just still me, you know, or like, I don't know, like, how can I do it differently? Because everybody has something in that realm, right? And so I said, I've always wanted to call it Stash House though. So it's Stash and then H-A-U-S. So kind of like the German way. It's, I'm not German at all, but I just feel like Stash House is sick. And so- <laughs> Dude, I love that. No, yeah. more people need to say stuff like that. Yeah, I, I thought it was cool. Yeah, it's yeah, a great reason. Is sick. It's all that. one word. Yeah. And so um, website's being worked on right now, like I was chatting, and, and, but the website is stash.house. So even sicker, it's not a dot com. Oh, so it's just like kind of it's like Soho, yeah, oh, wow, yeah, it's like yeah. exclusive, stash just stashed that house, and you're just right. like, what the hell is this, mm-hmm. right? Um, that might fuck us in SEO or <laughs> stuff later. They'll but find you. They'll yeah, find yeah, you. But it's whatever. I just thought and stash house the way we wanted it was dot com was taken, and it was by like this mustache with the house logo, just horrific. <laughs> and so if people do go to that, they'll be like, this is definitely not it, right? Right. So that they're kind of helping in a way. Um, but anyway, I was like, I, I think this would be sick. So what's next? So my fiance, Chelsea is incredible at like brand strategy, connecting the right people, networking, wanting to pull more people together with events, dinners, big things that she, she's just a, an absolute shark in what she does, but in the friendliest, most like demanding of respect way and just like amazing at what she does absolutely an incredible human being that I was just like, man, that is such a need because when I get these projects in from these agencies and they're like, Hey, um, we have this campaign. It's called like life is good. And it's like, who that this is all you guys came up with. That could be a pencil or a deodorant or what the hell, who, who approved this? (laughs) And you guys are sending it to me and like, yeah, we should just do this. And it's like, no, I'm like, that doesn't resonate at all. So then I completely reshape the narrative and then send it back to them. Like, this is sick. And then the client's like, yeah, we love it. It's like, I just did your job for you. You guys took, you know, half a million dollars, got credit for it and gave me 30. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm doing your job. I got to, we got to get rid of that. Mm. So I was like, I want to start an agency that, doesn't take all of that. I don't want to compete with giants. I just don't want it. I don't want to be an ad agency, but Stash House is a creative agency specializing in brand strategy and production. So I'll be doing some creative direction, brand strategy with Chelsea, and then I'll be doing production. So it's like, I can lean on networks of friends, like say you guys, say you guys are the absolute best at showcasing and putting together podcasts. And there's a reality show that I'm going after or not a reality, just like a documentary style that does this. I'm like, I know the best team for that. I can now act as an own agent to come get you guys, get your rate up. I'll take some off the top as well, add into that. We all work as a team. I get to direct and make sure things come together. I can still do photography or hire someone else for that. And we all win. And bringing people into this like house, it's like everybody under the same roof wins. If you're with me, you're winning. And so no one has taken that approach and mentality. And I think there is some ways in which it's gonna have to be worked out and, and kind of formed. But I love the fact that like bringing people in and leaning on people who are incredible at what they do. I don't want to be the best at shooting one thing and then have to be the best at shooting this and be the best at shooting that and be the sound engineer for that. You know, it's just let people delegate and do the shit that they're incredible at. So that is the goal. That's what's happening. And that's why we're moving to New York. New York. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a bunch of buddies in New York? No. I like wow. how the story ends with like a bang. Yeah, we're yeah, going to New fun. York. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to be headquartered there. So you oh, had, you had the conversation with your wife. You're like, we're, we're picking it up. We're going to New York. We just said, you know what? Um, 
I've been in California the last five years. She's been in there like the last seven or so. Um, we have no family there. I have like social buddies and some friends out there. I'm sure once I get out there, I'll be a lot more than I think. But um, born in Emerald, Texas, furthest thing from California, furthest thing from New York. Never thought I'd live in Colorado, live there, Washington, California. Now we're going East Coast. And I'm like, we live right by the ocean in Huntington Beach, a really sick spot, very overpriced, but we love it. And we couldn't pick somewhere more polar opposite, right? Mm. We're going straight into the city in Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn, we're finding more space, bang for our buck. And it's not going to be in the city because we have two big dogs. So it's like, we don't want to be crammed. Anyway, it's like, let's do New York. Let's build memories there. Let's push the boundaries. Let's get out of our comfort zone. Let's meet people who are doing shit that we are doing, like who are elevating and bringing us to be in a better zone. Like I love my friends here and everybody is incredible, but I feel very complacent. I feel stuck. I feel like, is this enough? It's not. I don't feel like I'm building a legacy. Stash House doesn't need to be here. It needs to be in New York. I need to be moving and grooving with people, connecting. Um, Chelsea can be doing her events and things and coordinating this stuff and like doing the shit that she wants to be doing and keeping that energy alive and just making these memories. And so that's why we're picking up and going out there, but not because it's comfortable. It's very uncomfortable. I'm leaving a big community behind. So is she, and we're just like going for it. I'm just gonna be a trailblazer and start this shit and do stuff that people in my industry just haven't done. I haven't seen a single photographer go and then wanna start something that isn't about them. It's like, I built this brand, now it's time to be make this umbrella in this house and bring people in mm. and charge way more for because we're gonna be a premium boutique agency but what you know if you're working with stash house your shit is going to be next level and it's going to be on all accounts like they're going to be very good at this this and this i don't have to be great at everything we're going to be boom 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 right we know what we're good at we're not trying to spread ourselves thin so that is the goal man that's what's going to happen when we get up there and so I, i want myself to see myself and us on the outside looking in it's like dude when he like when they went to new york man his shit just exploded you know, find that inspiration again and feel like I'm pushing again and just like absolutely, you know, king of New York type shit. I love it, dude. Yeah, I mean, New York just has a different yeah. type of energy yeah. than LA and I feel like you'll you'll feel that and feel like that's gonna like re-inspire you. Um, and I'm excited to see what you build and hopefully we can all work together yeah. on something. That'd be freaking yeah, sweet. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Um, yeah. Do you guys have like a, are you guys, renting a like a studio or you guys building a space or yeah so initially i would love to start out just rich and just build all this stuff in your dreams you're like yeah let's build this big ass warehouse and if we build it they'll come you know it's like, yeah we, we won't be in debt at all but we're gonna start out one thing that we have learned also too is like um we both work freelance. She used to work with a company route. She was one of the first members of that and like did really well and left and wants to do her own thing and that's stash house. And so we've been in the same, like our office is our second bedroom and it's just been a nightmare because we don't like, we have to be locked in, but we're also at home and we don't want to distract each other, but we do. You know, it's like you want to talk to them, show them fun stuff, chat about other things. And you just, it's really hard to get stuff done. And then if she's doing things at the house, I want to be more present with her. I just can't turn it off. It's like I'd have to go back to work after dinner and work till like 10 or 11, but like I'm also working during the day. It's just, I hate it. And so does she. And so we're going to get an office. Um, there's a couple of places in Brooklyn that are kind of like we work spots, but you can design them out yourself and like have interior designers and like kind of build out a spot. 
Um, so we're going to do that for a while until we get our feet on the ground. And like, I think you can, some places you can have like a whole floor to yourself, which is like 200 people. And then there's some that like have six to eight people in a space, blah, blah, blah. So we're just going to start out and at least just have an office. Right. And then as it starts building and I start bringing people in house and team and stuff like that, we'll just kind of expand, but we never really want to be like massive. I I only want to be maybe 10 people deep where we all know each other's birthdays and what they're allergic to stuff like that. I don't want this to be some massive corporation. I just, like I said, it's boutique, you know, these people, but then have a massive outsource region of like you guys and, and, you know, just Mm. people, you know, that you can pull in, but, um, yeah, so we will have an office, which will be really fun. So competing with traditional agencies, what I see at least is a huge problem with speed. If you ever, and I'm sure you've worked with tons of agencies, you get the brief, you send them V1, they're like fucking weeks later, finally getting you feedback on V2. Or like if a TikTok idea pops up, month later, they're like, we got approved for that idea. And they're like, well, the trend was over the next day. So you guys mm-hmm. fucked it up. Yeah. Where do you feel like the biggest um, the biggest gap is for you to slide in as, as a new agency in New mm-hmm. York? And what do you see the bigger dogs messing up? Because I, I see tons of issues with it. I'm, I think that you're going to shake things up. I think it's going to be awesome. I think it'll, it's, and I'm not naive at all or delusional. It's going to be a pretty gnarly um, rework and kind of roadmap. It's not just get there and we're yeah, tearing it up. It's totally. going to be like, hmm, these are the gaps we see. The thing is, is like we want to be held to a, a standard of like we don't need you, you need us type thing. Even though we do need them, it's like not everybody's going to be able to work with Stash House. And I love that mentality because it's you, not everybody can get you. Right. So the people that you do get to choose to work with are very passionate about what you do. And that should be with anybody's craft, honestly. And it shouldn't be about like, oh, yeah, if the money is right, we'll do it. We still want to hold ourselves to a standard. And I still do this. Like, even if it's a massive check, like I told you, and they're just like, oh, there's a story. It's like, I'm not going to sacrifice my craft for some half ass idea. I can't do it. I can't do it because if I saw myself on the outside, I'd be like, that dude just collected a check. That was very weak. I can't do it. And so, as far as shaking it up, I think that finding the right clients and those right people that want brand strategy, not all, ideally they're going to have brand strategy and do um, production with us. Sometimes it might be one or the other, depending. They might have the strategy fixed. So say someone comes with a bad idea and you're like, okay, that's not going to work for several reasons. Or here's how we can shape shift this if that's what's approved. This is what we should do. Chelsea's going to lay out this, 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 and this. Here's the production behind it and how the stories that we're going to tell. All I mean, long story short, man, we're trying to elevate brands with storytelling. Tell better stories in a more exclusive way. Getting shit out there that actually matters. And people are like, damn, I don't even, I think that was about deodorant, but that shit was so good. That's what you want people to feel about your work. Because mm. at the end of the day, a product's a product or whatever. Yeah. And so that is what I want to be doing. And there's going to be levels to it. And I'm going to grow with it. And we're going to learn what we do and don't want. And we'll probably take some clients and end up being nightmares or some that were easy. And it is going to shape shift, but to finally kind of start chipping away. And I think we don't know what we don't know. So I'm not exactly sure where we fit yet, but I do want to be somewhat of a bigger chunk of middlemen. Um, because getting money straight from the clients great but also some of these bigger clients have ad agencies that need creative so that's will still be there um but at a much higher tier do you feel like with with your personal brand as you move on into the you're going to be you're a business owner now you're working with your wife and stuff do you feel uh at all nervous that the personal brand could like 
you know, you won't be putting as much attention to it. Mm-hmm. You'll put it, be putting so much towards this new company. And how, how do you plan on balancing that? Yeah. So I, if I could walk away from social completely, I would, that'd just be so dumb because I do have an audience and not that I care all that much. I just, I still love to shoot. I still love to create and I'm going to be shooting my ass off in New York, the winter and all the seasons and all the fun stuff. Like just, I'm so inspired when I'm there. I'm constantly taking photos on my phone and I post them. People are always like, these are with a phone, just three X mode on certain stuff. People are just like, wow, this is crazy. It's like if more people dove into their phone, they would know like all the shit I'm doing is very simple, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it's, I think personally as a brand, I'm going to be posting a lot of stuff that I just love and going to be gearing more towards this professional high-end kind of New York lifestyle. I want to be shooting more stuff like Todd Schneider and all these things that just like, I'm going to be dressing more like that and just have an elevated lifestyle, right? Or very, you know, a lot more GQ and try to get more syndicated with some of these agencies and just have people, you know, seek after you. So personally, that's what I want to be doing. And I think it will also push away. I've been slated as like this defined outdoor photographer for most of my career yes i shoot outside but i don't really give a shit about hiking or doing so i'd rather take a helicopter to the top of the peak <laughs> work smarter not harder man it's like people are like oh i did that for 20 mile hike and you just went up in a helicopter and it's like it's your journey <laughs> yeah dude. i don't care dude i went to yosemite two weekends ago i didn't camp people were like yo did you camp did you did you hike? I, I was like, no, stayed at the I, fucking I, nicest hotel there and uh, <laughs> kind of walked around. It's great. You know, I'm not I took an some idiot. photos. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, dude. It's like, I've done the whole dirtbag lifestyle, man. No money and groceries and just, you know, people like, let's go to Iceland and camp for six. It's like camp once in, the, in Iceland yeah. with the wind and the conditions and you're never going to sleep the rest of the trip. It sucks. And you're, you feel like shit the next day. You don't know what time it is. Like, just I'm gonna you catch me at the resorts and at these hotels and at least a nice place to sleep or eat right it's just it comes with maturity and it comes with having (laughs) (laughs) no dude it comes from doing this doing that stuff to realize you which, which I don't respect. like it anymore. See, yeah. he's, he's done it, Costas, and he <laughs> yeah. realized he I didn't, didn't like I, it. I did not cut my teeth. Which I got nothing, I got nothing wrong. I, yeah, I like a good camp. I've been, <laughs> yeah. I've been bougie since day one. But though, I've always know? liked it, I've always, I she's, like the- She's a lover of the, I like, the camp. I like coming home and sleeping in a nice bed, but I yeah. do like like a four nights in the tent. I just, I like waking up and I'm outside. I like kind of having to work for it, like just not thinking so much, but yeah. just using my hands to like, do shit is kind of nice for a few days i love it see and that's the perfect person for those situations you don't want people that are like oh i hate camp like i slept like shit like you know people complaining on these camp trips it's like dog that's why we're here (laughs) right right so i've never i've been the one like forever i would be backpacking and camping and stuff and there is a sense of reward because you are out there remote and you're like man we got here like no one is here this is insane so i get the like camaraderie and the the awareness of like this is awesome i've just done that so much that now i'm like i just don't care enough and it's it's just not worth it for me um and then there's people who are doing it with like no oxygen and doing all these other things my dad was like would you ever go to mount everest and i said no people have done it it's not worth risking my life to get up there i just don't care and even if i did like it just would be needs to be for the right reasons that's the thing people want to be in the outdoors and get all this horny instagram stuff because it's outdoors and they probably don't even like it I liked it for a while, but I need to get tailored outside of the outdoor photographer away from this like Chris Burkhardt generation of all these just like gassed up Instagram shit because I I get gathered in these groups 
like I'll do some campaigns where it's all these photographers from the outdoors and everybody is talking about just Instagram and, and reels and all this bullshit. I'm like, I'm here to absolutely fucking nail this job. I will come away better than any of you guys are going to, cause I'm thinking outside the box here. I don't give a shit about any of the stuff you guys are talking about. I don't feel better than them cause no one's better than each other. I feel like I'm in the wrong room. I need to be in a separate bracket where I am the weakest one there and I'm with people who are creating next level shit that I'm like, wow, okay, I'm going to put my headphones in and just grind. I don't need to be with people who are just collecting a check and be like, oh, I might do this because like the brand doesn't really care and oh, I'm just going to do this. It's like, dog, what are you guys even doing? I'm here for my craft. I'm not fucking with anybody. Like, yes, I will have drinks with people and have fun. Like, I'm a fun guy. I just if I'm here to do my job, like I'm going to come away with something that everyone else is going to be like, fuck man, his stuff was insane from there. That's because I'm in that mindset, man. I don't want my stuff to blend in. I don't want people to be like, yeah, mine was very similar. I, it's like, I need to hold myself to that standard of having that humble mentality is like, I still need to sing for my supper at times and make sure people know that I'm not fucking around. Hmm. I think we all do complacency is bad at times you feel like yeah i got this in the bag like i'm the best dude here my dad always told me man if you think you're hot shit someone's gonna cool your ass down it's very true just keep you know treat everyone with the same amount of respect level the floor and just do your thing um but i feel like camping has leveled me out enough to where i can enjoy the small moments and i'm not i will do all the grunge work and be in the trenches and i can also relax and be you know in the hotels where do you feel like that mentality came from like did you play sports growing up or like just the tenacity to like continue to want to get better because mm. a lot of people might look at you and be like yo this dude's got it all figured out like he's got yeah. his style down like he doesn't need to continue to push the envelope but like you for just yourself feel like you need to so like mm. where does that come from i don't know man i don't know i think uh i was very blessed with my parents just growing up my parents are divorced but um equal parts like just i think my grandparents and things that you know hereditary or whatever it was my dad really enforced into me to take care of people around you stick up for people if you're gonna get in a fight do it for the right reasons don't take shit from anybody but you need to be the one to go talk to the nerdy kid talk to someone getting picked on tell people that shit is not you know stand up for yourself and for people like always be on the lookout and i think that translates into so many other things because keeping that humble mentality it's because like i grew up in like a not so great neighborhood wasn't super nice with my dad but it um was a house we could afford it was amazing it's but when he'd take me to basketball practice and stuff we're like in an all-black neighborhood or a hispanic neighborhood or some of these kids their parents didn't even pick them up or take them to practice a lot of them were on drugs or whatnot and my dad would pick these kids up take them home realize that no one's home hey let's uh circle around the block and go get pizza knowing damn well they probably did not have anything to eat for a while and these are like buddies of mine and and it didn't really connect until i got older and knowing that like my dad was a father figure for a lot of these kids that probably didn't have one and that mentality of like lower yourself because someone's always got it worse than you you know people might also have it better than you but people have always had it worse than you and thinking like wow like yes i might not live on the rich side of town where all my buddies are but i'm i don't live like this either you know, and I think just counting your blessings and like reeling it back in, like, dude, we're all sitting at this table being able to talk about just like life and experience. People dream about this stuff to own this mic, to own these headphones, to like 
pay for an apartment to do anything right you're living someone's dream every day that to me is like resets me to be like okay you can be hungry and and content but not satisfied in a healthy way like i want to be doing more i want to be giving back more i need to be doing more for people that have done so much for me and i think my dad taught me a lot about just like take care of the people that take care of you i can't stress that enough it's like anybody that works with me on a project they get paid they get paid well um if we have no money i'm buying with my own money all the dinners all the food i'll say the client has it when there is no money i'm just doing it myself because people need to get taken care of they help me out you know, no, they don't expect it. No, they don't care. But it's like, I care. And these people need to be taken care of. And I think it's just a lot of that's just old school ways of growing up and like being in Texas, people are friendly. And uh, I just saw a lot of kids have it way worse. A lot of my buddies who are very wealthy and rich grew up to be nothing. Right. And so it's like, I felt I feel very rich, um, you know, emotionally and mentally inside that was just like, I never had to want for anything. It was just like, I feel very instilled with my core values that I've been able to translate that through this whole journey. And a lot of kids, I don't think, you know, know what they don't know. Cause there's a lot of shitty people, especially in California that just think they're hot shit. And it's like, it's just, it's so vapid and doesn't mean anything. And I'm like, man, not where I came from. It's like, you might get your ass whooped talking to somebody that way or being disrespectful or, you know, saying that to a woman or like being this way to like a waiter or a waitress, you know, not getting up when someone older needs to sit. It's like, what are you doing? All that stuff's just so second nature to me. And so I think that mentality has just been instilled to me. And I think just comes out in certain metaphors and layers in my career that I feel very proud of. But again, just head down kind of onto the next chapter. And I know, I think another thing that has really settled in lately is stopping and smelling the roses. Um, I don't do that enough. I urge you guys to do that too these milestones that you do every college football game you go to man let it sink in you got to go there all these people are there it's like celebrate the small victories even the bad days man it's like your bad day is someone else's perfect day because they have it way worse than you right and so i think just just take it all in man so many years in my career was a blur because i was traveling so much and i ran myself into the ground i was camping too much i was flight to flight i didn't have any diet my fitness was terrible i had no sleep and it was just like all about creating and then just four years went by and i was just like i was doing like 56 flights a year and just had no idea what day it was and i think that i was creating amazing work but I don't remember really any of it. And you look back and you're like, damn, and those trips look sick, but it's like, I just hardly even took anything in. Yeah, you're almost like looking at your own photos as if somebody else took them. You're, you're like, like wow, man, that, that looked, looked really cool. Fun, yeah. Dude, I think that all the time, like, I think that was, gosh, I don't, and it's not like I don't remember anything. It's just, yeah. it's hard to be like, no one taught us how to act in this culture, right? Your parents just like, go to college and get a job and you just work till you're dead or you retire. For us, it's like, you don't even have to go to school anymore. It's like, you can obviously go through high school, but it's like a lot of people just don't, you don't need to go to college, right? And it's like, so then what? No one taught you about taxes. No one taught you about write-offs, being an entrepreneur. No one taught you about sole proprietorship or LLCs or S-corps. No one taught you anything. We're out here just freestyling every day and it's a blessing, but also a curse at times. So you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think a lot of that is just 
it's just like figuring that out. And so when you're like, some people think he has it all figured out. I don't have shit figured out. I'm still trying to figure out pieces of my life and puzzle pieces that come together, what makes it all worth it. Um, and I'm 34, you know, but I also didn't think my life would be this awesome at a younger age, right? You just don't know. And so it's a thing, man, count your blessings because it's all like kind of falling into place the way it should. And I think it really is about capitalizing every day and feeling like you're living full. And if you're not, change something man because you know we hear about all this stuff where people dying and things like that and in short terms and it's like gosh i gotta be doing more for myself to lift people up for my friends i just i got it at least one thing a day that's like i feel like i can put my name on it and that's been really hard and heavy for me to keep remembering because yes the sun will come up but will it come up for you right it's like i might not have tomorrow and yes these are like probability as you will, but it's those things that I think I'm like, did I do enough in the day? Did I tell Chelsea how much she means to me today? Did I squeeze the dogs? You know, did I, you know, pat you guys on the back and say, thanks so much for having me, you know, this moment, all these things, man, are just not, you can't take them for granted. And I feel like as you get older, you really start to pull that in. And it's moments like when you're camping or like when I was in Norway and things where you get on and this, I talk about this in the film, when you get away from all these distractions, shit really starts to sink in. When you're alone, when I lived alone, man, that's when the evil comes out, right? That's when the this, the dark thoughts come in, um, the loneliness, sitting with your thoughts. Am I gonna distract myself or am I gonna work on myself? You know, Am I gonna date just to date because I'm lonely? Am I going to work on what I need to do? Am I going to be on my career? Am I just going to distract myself with like money and things, you know? And so it's sadly, I think we have our phones too much. I know I'm on my phone too much. And like stuff like this is really what life is about. And so when you ask me to be on the podcast, I'm like, dude, I love that shit. So yeah, we talk about every time we have like a an amazing guest on, we're just like, man, this just fuels us like in a way that you don't get all that often through yeah. social media. And it's just really cool to like sit down and connect with someone who we've never met before and just be able to like chop it up. It's so cool. And we can tell how passionate you are about talking about this kind of stuff. So like makes me even more excited to watch the film because I know that mm-hmm. it's going to come through in the film for sure. I, yeah, I appreciate it, man. I, I wanted to start a podcast. And again, I didn't know what that was going to be for the longest time because so many people have one yeah and it's like what would make mine different just like my brand how would it be just so it's not the same thing and it wasn't until i made the film where i'm like you know what my podcast is gonna be it's gonna be called the stash cast and so it's gonna be (laughs) it's gonna be centered around um basically like more purpose but also at the end kind of reeling it back to that question of do you feel like you're doing enough before you die and really allowing people to check in with themselves during that time because you need to drop the facade or whatever ego you have and be like, yes, and also no, because you're going to find people in different walks of their life. You know, you can really only meet people where they are. They can be broken. They can be sad. They can be at their highs. They can be at their lows, like somewhere in between. But I think it's cool because in these podcasts, you're going to be meeting people at wherever they are in their life. Uh, whatever stages, you know, right now I'm in a really wild stage of like prepping for New York. Our wedding is in New York. We are leaving everything behind. We are getting ready to move. We're getting ready for the holidays and like just shape shifting what the narrative for work looks like, our jobs, like every, there's so much new change coming that we're just holding on to each other tight. And so 
that is this chapter that you guys are meeting me in, right? And then hopefully when we link up next, it's like a, everything I talked about is happening. And it's like, we can check back in then. So it's like, you know, this might not be happening where it is, you know, in a year from now. Mm. You guys might have an yeah. insane studio where everybody's trying to get on this podcast, you know? And it's like, you got to weave in and out and make sure if you're going to have one, it's who, you know, with you want and what it's worth. And you have all the sponsors and you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you never forget where you came from and that's very important. And so it's like, this is cool to meet you guys in this chapter, mm. right? Even though this shit is very dialed and it's awesome. It's like, but you guys will want to level up and do other things and you have goals in mind. And you're like, dude, we want to be like the next impulsive, but we talk about shit people care about. Not just like yeah. what's hot. We want people to feel something where they're like, hmm. Yeah, totally. You talked about when you were editing, I want to take it back to the film and like yeah. your editing process. You talk about like your, the color science and like you colored the film first, like to help you out. You're so known for your style and your editing. When I put on my Instagram story of like, yo, what question do you guys have for short stash? Everything was like, yo, how does he edit? How does he edit? How does he dial? So, can you give away a little bit of your sauce about like, how long did it take you to find your style, tips for finding your style for someone who might be ripping off somebody else's? Yeah. And like, how did you get so good at getting those rich and creamy tones? I Man, when I studied color theory and design in school, it was very much centered around what your eye perceives depth. And so it's like, you know, when you have a depth chart, it's all the grays back to the whites to the blacks, and it's like has layers. And it's like our eyes perceive certain things in rich colored tones. It's just our mind thinks it in other ways. So what I'm getting at is like people are attracted to certain things only because that's what's in front of them. And so my style might be very moody. I hate when people say that shit. It compared- Delete that in the notes. <laughs> yeah, no. But like this moody next to a vibrant HDR thing right like a vibrant beat shot and then mine looks like sometimes it might look like shit because they're right next to each other or the other one might look like shit and be like my eyes are bleeding this thing is just in why is there so much color but on its own that is how i perceive things the way i found my style was very much in like the undertones it's like the way you value light it's not even so much color. Color comes after, but it's like the way you balance out is this dimmed a bit. Like, do I feel a little bit more like in a movie in this like cinematic feel? Are my blinders on? Or it's not just like this, like bright white wedding photography, you know, or like HDR beach landscapes and stuff. And like people are drawn to that because they, it doesn't seem real. That's why people love that stuff. It's like vibrant like beach look this looks beautiful and like the maldives and how vibrant water and just hot chicks everywhere and everybody's glowing right for me it's like i want something to like a little like muted tone in the water where like this aqua looks more like a steely blue that feels like that might be a depiction of a scene in a movie that might not be so happy or might be like this deeper rich tone that's like ooh, this is just like different it's not for everyone that's the thing so when you're building out a style I'm sure I've lost tons of jobs because people are like, oh, that's just not colorful enough. That's so moody. And it's like, that's fine because I'm not going to get hired to probably ever shoot for like United Airlines or something like that or like a hotel resort because my style doesn't really lean towards that. And yes, my style is like shifted over the years and I have more color in it now. And it's a little bit brighter in these things because you just ebb and flow. But for me, I wanted people to see my stuff as like something that they would feel and feel like it's somewhat of a, a, a movie clip or a a still from a movie because 
most movies are not bright, white, rich, and very few. It's the opposite. Photo, it's more rich and saturated. Video is not. So I always try to take that angle with photos because no one was really doing that. Now people can kind of edit to look the same as really anything. But I take a lot of inspiration from just other films and colorists that I see for like Apple TV has some of the best colorists on the planet. Most of them all come from Company 3. This dude, Tyler Roth, I follow. We chat with each other a lot. Like anything he posts, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess he did that one as well. It's like, oh, that shit was sick. Yeah, he did that one too. It's like... (laughs) That stuff is very cool. And the way people shoot and film and then edit and post-process, it's like, damn, the richness in that. But mainly it's because it's pulled from the undertones and gives it that deep color versus like there's a difference between a deep undertone and an oversaturated layer on top. It's just like you can get rich skin tones but not being super vibrant. It's because your mind perceives it to feel that it looks that way, not so much that it is that way. So it's kind of hard. I mean, it's a little bit like the, you know, just like, you know, kind of woo-woo-y like guru shit. It's really not that complicated. It's just, it's hard to like describe what I'm saying only because it makes sense to me in my head. Hmm. But maybe that's just why it works for me. People are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Wait, wait. So did you, you said before the pod, you you switched to DaVinci to color specifically. Are you still editing? Yeah, sadly. In Premiere? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But do you want to event, like I've gotten the question a ton. Yo, Fig, when are you going to switch? When when are we switching to DaVinci? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, maybe when the season's over, I'll think about it. Like when I get some hours back in my day. Yeah. I mean, I was walking down the street today. Some dude stopped me. When's Fig switching to division? Yeah, it's just a thing. Everybody's <laughs> wondering. I saw one of those planes that you know has yeah. like sky right. Yes, it, it's Fig, outside. When is Fig? <laughs> it's backwards though, so I couldn't really say what How long did it take to hop over, and was it worth it? I still need to. My buddy Sam Colder, he was like, "Dude, just watch my class." He's like, "Watch it in two x speed." It. I did all the work for you, and you will be able to switch over. Very easy. He's like, "It's worth it, thousand percent." So that's also a plug for his course. But he was like. you know sign up for that course watch it through you can convert um i think there's probably so many benefits of it i'm also interested because the leading industry standard though is still premiere with Mm -hmm. most films so in that i know of now motion pictures i have no idea what they're using it's not da vinci but probably yeah yeah, most likely avid because it's just i don't know so i think it's that they're bored yeah it's just like how can we make this as hard as fucking possible like microsoft windows like seven that's what it looks like it's like corel painter and just all grade scale windows and it's like is that music or is that that's video so for me it was like i need to start tapping into more of these nodes um, and the structure and stuff like that, because you could just do so much in this layering, especially with like the raw capability too. And so, um, I just do a, a timeline XML going to after, like I've built out what my timeline looks like, done all the sound, most of the sound. Um, and obviously I don't need the sound in DaVinci, but I've done most of the heavy lifting already. And then I sequence it in to DaVinci and I start coloring and go scene by scene matching and build out these looks and kind of everything that I want and then I'll export it back there and layer it over there and have my colored version and like the flat version still and I keep probably 30 frames on either side that I can pull in and out so it still colors 30 frames on the end point and out point so you have some room if you want to shift um but to have it all in one program would obviously be the best and probably most efficient because you're coloring there already so i just haven't done it because i haven't taken the time yet because once i'm hopping in it's never really for fun it's always for the job so i'm not it's not 
the time to start learning a new project for a job. And it also might take way longer, obviously, at first. So I need to go through his course first and then switch. But I don't know. Only because I color and I love it. So it'd be nice to just not have to go through two. Right. You brought up how people try to cop or try to emulate your editing style. So why release presets and kind of give away your sauce? It's just twofold. Everybody was releasing presets at the time. Everyone was a fraud. And I'll call anybody out. But the thing is, people are releasing these presets that have nothing to do with their work. It's all a bunch of bullshit. It's stuff that they were putting out. And trust me, because I got them and just had a curiosity. I'm like, they don't use these at all. But people are just eating it up. I was like, you know what? If I'm ever going to come out with something, it's because I want to teach somebody how to build their style. I am literally doing all the forefront work for all these other idiots who release stuff. I am now showing people how they might actually be able to use those presets and work for them. So all those people owe me a favor and money. <laughs> but it's like what I wanted to do is when I first came out with the base sets, okay, it was I created some presets that I built as a base for what I would do. Now, color theory aside, I morph into different ways for scenes. That's subjective. So I'm never going to come out with something that's like, this is mine. Anything I've come out with is not exactly what I use because my stuff shifts in my head. I might mess with certain things that I would never think of because that's just how I operate. And I think to other artists, um, you know, and to some of their credit too, it's probably also one, they wanted to make a buck, but two, didn't want to give anything away. I wanted to actually teach people and feel like they got something out of it. They have a base for the foundation. That's why it was called the base sets. And then I walked through how all the tools work and why this shit was working the way it is and how to manipulate stuff. I told people, this is where your style is going to be is mainly in the S curve is how you're going to develop your undertones in subtlety. So then when I came out with past and present, that was a very stylistic thing that I wanted to build out that could shortcut people into a certain style that I thought was very cool and unique that I was building at the time. Do I use it all the time? No, but it's very cool and unique in those elements and thought, oh, people might appreciate this. Then when I released um, my latest one, the RGB pack, I thought, you know what? People always struggle with reds, blues, and greens. And I was like, I would be sick to have a shortcut pack that could help people understand like this is a badass base for this. And then here are these modifiers that like kill the blues, warm the blues, kill the like it's it's custom coding in Lightroom. People don't have any presets like mine that are embedded and coded into Lightroom through encryption after you install the software and put it in there. It has modifiers and stuff layered in that work on top of those presets. No one else has ever done that. And it's through develop these guys I partnered with. And so again, if I'm going to come out with something in my brand, the shit is going to be next level and dial. It's not going to be some zip file bullshit. You get on Reddit. People are going to be like, oh, this is like official thing. And you have to log into the site to see my workshops and stuff like that. Like it needs to be somewhat encrypted. And so was I ever giving away like, I can't give away my brain. I can't sell myself. I can put things out that I feel like really benefit people. And it's not to cash a buck. And if so, people can fuck right off because when I released base sets, I made such good money from that. The first month I gathered 25% of that and sent it to One Child Matters, which is over like 50 grand. And so you can do math for whatever that is and was able to set aside other money for people and family and things like that. And it's like, I forced people to donate and make a difference in someone's lives. It's not about just me. Yes, I would love to make money off something I built my whole fucking career on. And, but I had, I had every now and then I had people that are like, oh, 
for someone who doesn't talk about presets, finally release presets, I'm like, you might need them, jackass. <laughs> it's like, dog, again, I don't need to answer to anybody, but if you took two seconds to see what I released, it's stuff that's fundamentally sound and could actually maybe really help you in your career and get you to a zone that you feel like does have rich color and a stylistic element. Could it look like mine? Do I use them? Yeah, I use them from time to time and do that stuff. And then I work off of those into something else. But you can't copy and paste someone's brain onto an image and be like, that is easy. Now I'm short sash. It's never going to happen. Never did I ever sell that either. Like, yeah, you want to have a photo just like me? Do this. A lot of people did do that. They're like, oh, easy. One click. Boom. One click. Boom. I did. I never say that because that's not realistic. I don't want people doing that, nor is that true. That is completely false. I was giving people the fundamentals and now even a deeper route of being like, dude, do this. Now I have these shortcuts. You'll get in a pretty badass zone where you think this looks sick. This helps you with your greens a lot. This helps you with your blues a lot. This is kind of how you can dial that. And I'm very proud of that. And so those are the things that I'm releasing. They're not just like, here's my look. And so I never, and again, I wanted to hang my hat on something like that. People are like, oh, this is, this is actually pretty sick. Um, and I never, once I release stuff, I haven't ever really pushed it ever again. It's there. I'm not a very good advertiser because I don't want people to be like, buy my shit. It is there. My favorite thing about the stuff I've released is I've released a gambit now. If you have a buddy, it's like, hey man, Garrett, my friend is getting into photography. Um, he wants to be more into storytelling. He's not that great at editing, just kind of a newbie at everything. I'm like, dog, tell him to hit me up, make an account and develop. I'll drop everything in his account just for free. I'll just put it all in there. Everything he could possibly get going from there is in there. Help with editing, badass colorways to get to where he needs to be, and a whole storytelling workshop breaking down all the fundamentals, like how I construct narratives, working with clients, all that stuff. That's literally all I could do. It's on that site. It's his. That's my favorite thing. People are like, I can't really afford this. Like, should I, which pack should I buy? I'm like, dog, just sign up. I'll just drop them all in there. I love that because they're out there. If I never do anything again like that, those are there and they'll always be beneficial. So that is why I wanted to put something out there with my name on it. Next thing I'm releasing though is an actual physical product and that's my own filter. So that is why I've been teasing and like stories and shit that people don't seem to pay attention to because they just see all this camera gear and they're like, oh. It's like, do you not see what's on the lenses? It's my own custom olive tone with Polar Pro. People will buy this shit just for the color. It looks nasty. Is it a very blendy promise? What do we got? So it's the first of its kind. And mm. they were supposed to come out at the end of this year with production stuff, but they'll be early next year. Um, and it's something that, like, those guys have always been great to me. And I was like, dude, let's make something that hasn't been done before. And I was always like, I always shoot with a polarizer on my camera, no matter what. But I was like, it would be nice to have some of the soft highlights in certain areas and like a mist filter, but not on, not always. Like, I don't want to just have it on there all the time. And so I was like, what if we combine them and it's like a subtle diffusion only in the highlights. It's like only when there's light hitting, you see it, but the rest, it always acts like a normal polarizer. And so I keep it on at night. I can shoot in the subways with it and always have some diffusion and all the highlights and stuff, but I can also cut through with skin reflections. So like on the C70s and stuff that has internal ND, you put that on there, you still have that like, it's probably gonna be about like, I think in layman's terms or like after the math, it makes it about like a, mm, I'd say it's like a 15% 
20%, like it's that nice, it's that perfect subtlety where you're like, oh, that, that's dope. It's not too much at all. And that's what I wanted. So we're calling it the everyday short stash filter. Mm. Yeah. So it just never comes off your Holy camera. Holy shit. Yeah. And it'll come in like the Leica Q2 filters and the 49 and the Fuji X100, you know, all that shit. It's on all my lenses. It's just a short stash and like pull up right. You have a Q2? Dope. Um, I had a Q2, mm. and but it goes on all the all those threads. Exciting! That's yeah. exciting. Making a physical product's fun. It's gonna be fun, man. It's wow. like the packaging looks sick. All the shit mm. is dope, and it's uh, it'll be cool because it's the first of its kind. It's combined that way, and you don't stack anything. How does creating a physical product work? Obviously, Polar Pro is like they crush it with the filters. Yeah. Like, do you go to their office and like get handsy with it? Like, how does it come from like? The inception of your idea to okay now i have the physical product in my hand i mean i'm not the best person for this only because they've already made filters right so they already have the schematics and like sure. the diagrams of shit they're just trying to combine something and be like hey i think this works so they made it very very easy and those guys are awesome plus they're in costa mesa so i just oh. drive over there and meet i'm going by in the morning to uh make sure we're deciding the final box color or like the um in case color and so yeah, it's uh, it's pretty sick. I'll have to show you guys what the the filters look like. I have, I'll show you on my phone. But uh, the color in itself is so sexy with the olive that like I think they're gonna at some point do a maglock with it and all this shit to slap it on. But it oh, is yeah. uh, the packaging in and of itself and just like the olive color. And what's sick too is when it's on your camera. You know how you have the orange, which is really cool from Polar Pro. This will look like a bluish green. Oh, sick. So it's pretty sick. Like in photo, I mean, not that you care to like what it looks like in a photo, but if you did have something, it does create this like bluish green. It's sick. And it's it's a polarization in it that's a little bit more richer to actual color tone. So some polarizations create a certain shift in the white balance. This one's like money. So it's pretty cool. You've talked about how you have worked with a ton of brands. You've done the physical products now with Polar Pro you're going to and you've been all over the world traveling and a lot of kids want to do what you're doing as far as getting paid to work with brands mm -hmm. and some either have had a little bit of experience with it or haven't done it at all you're talking about doing it at just such a higher level than anybody else doing it what tips do you have for someone looking to start doing brand deals or getting paid to work with brands that mm -hmm. they admire and look up to and want to work with yeah so i think that it's there's kind of like some buckets that you have to choose we'll just say three buckets okay first and foremost it's you need to have your i call it earning your stripes your work needs to be there so before you reach out to anybody you need to have it on your portfolio on your site your shit needs to be very dialed so that way if anybody asks you you can just be like this is my work and it looks professional that's a given you got to have that bucket full uh and it depending on the client you're going after, say you want to shoot weddings and all you have is like sports and auto stuff, that bucket's not full. You need to send them a separate bucket that's maybe all your romantic work or couples shooting or like lifestyle stuff of something that they can relate to in their head. If I'm going to pitch to Nike, I need to have portfolio pieces of some athletic ability, some workout stuff, some storytelling pieces of like a, you know, rags to riches story of, um, an athlete or wannabe athlete or, or something that they feel like they can envision their brand in. It can't just be like, yeah, I shoot a lot of weddings. I think shooting um, shoes would be sick. They're just like, I mean, you're great at shooting weddings, but that has nothing to do with me. And plus, you're never going to get their attention anyway, doing stuff like that. So I think B is, I mean, I want to come out with um, like merchandise and maybe it's just hats and shirts. Again, if I do, they're going to be absolutely, the material will be sick. The hats will be sick. And 
my number one word is just dialed. If anybody asks anything about me, they're like, G is dialed. My style, the way I feel like I carry myself, uh, where I care about people, my craft, all that stuff. And that's always been a thing for me is I just need to be dialed. So if you were going to approach a client, your work needs to be dialed. Your strategy needs to be dialed. You can't just be throwing out your work to all these people. And last but not least is like, you need to, it's not enough to be an artist. Everybody is talented. You guys are talented. Everyone is fucking talented, man. And there, nine times out of 10, someone else is more talented than you, probably, if not most people, right? We just don't know it. And they might be 17 years old. The thing that's going to be separate, though, that will get you these jobs is getting your foot in the door is your heart and your head, man. If you can be personable, you don't even have to be that great at your work. If you are the guy to work with, you can get the job done, you're fun, um, you execute, you over-deliver, like you bring the vibes and people are just like, this guy's high energy, I should love it, you know? Yes, your work has to be there, but like you don't have to be the best, right? More people will work with you and toss you more money, even if you're not the most talented person because they believe in you, it's good enough, they think it's great, it's whatever. I'm not trying to push mediocrity, it's just you're selling yourself, man. Your work needs to be good, but everyone's work is good. That's the thing. That's the problem with social media too, is that that's why people want to see more personalities because it's not enough to be good at what you do. You need to be a good person. People want to feel great around you. People want to be attracted to your energy. So as a client, that is why I'm moving to New York, man. I can get in front of these people. How am I any different than the next dude? Because I'm not. Yes, my style, blah, 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 and all this shit, but that really doesn't matter. They want to be working with people who can fucking move rooms, who can shake shit up and be like, okay, we feel like empowered that this is going to actually mean something, not just like, let's tell a story. It's like, fuck, this is the story. This is going to do this. You are going to feel this and your brand is going to go from here to here when you work with us. Guaranteed. That shit is not going to happen. There's going to be nothing slipping through the cracks. Photography is going to be dialed. If you're doing video, film's going to be dialed. All this shit's going to look great. We're going to tell this, this, and this. This is your strategy. This is why it's, you're working with us. This is what you're going to get. And it's going to be amazing. It's like you have to believe in what you do, but you got to sell your, your personality, man. People got to know that you give a shit. So... Starting out, that's very daunting because that's the thing, man. Artist kids and people who are creative aren't business people. None of us are. I feel very blessed because I'm right and left brain thinking. I was very, very good at academics growing up, made straight A's my entire life and graduated at the top of my class. And just like in that zone, I thought I wanted to go to medical school, but then ended up choosing art. As you can tell, my parents were just like that you know, to their defense, they're like, that sounds like a horrible idea because back then graphic design was called like digital graphics. And they're just like, what the hell is that? Like, yes, you've always been an artistic kid and that's great, but like, we need you to make money. And like, you also worked your ass off in school. But I was like, no, I, this is actually fun and I'm good at it. I don't have to study all the time. Like I was good at school, but I hated it, right? And so for most kids, they're introverts. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to interact. They don't know how to be in front of a mic. They don't know how to engage with people that make them feel something. That is not always going to translate to everybody. Most people, it will not. 
that's why there's those that do amazing shit and keep leveling up and those that just kind of stay hidden because you can't really teach getting out of your comfort zone. You just have to go for it. So I urge people coming into it that you have to really pull yourself out and go for it because no one's going to do it for you and other people are going to take your jobs because everybody's talented. That's the thing. But if you, I always keep that in the back of my head for myself, I'm no better than anybody. Okay, talent and work is there. Great, okay. So now, what do I have to offer? And it's gonna be my personality, the way I carry myself, the way I'm gonna be dedicated to this, the way you can trust me, and the way I can delegate delegate and oversee what this is gonna look like. That's how you're gonna work with me. Yes, all the vision. Like I said, the film. It's like, yeah, it looks beautiful. It's gonna be shot incredible. It's gonna be sick. But like, so? How many things have you seen that'll probably be better than that? That you're like, holy shit, that was insane. Who did it? I don't know. What are they even saying it? I don't know. I just thought the footage was cool, right? That's not enough. So to the younger generation coming up, man, is do it for the right reasons, but really start to dive into the social aspect of communication. Got to get out of your comfort zone. The doing it for the right reasons is is so important. Can you talk a little bit about like, and I think you touched on it earlier, but like, have there been a ton of brands that you've just said no to, even mm-hmm. if it's a fat paycheck, which can be extremely tempting but you just don't align with them with your brand? A number of times. And that's not an ego thing, but yeah. I've also, I also think it's up to us though. I'd say, so that's only happened maybe a few times where it was just such a pain in the ass where they wanted to delegate and micromanage everything. You're just like, I'm out. <laughs> so it didn't really get too much into the process. It was just like, I'm out. Now, more times than not, I've had a lot of brands come to me, also why I wanted to do Stash House, it's they come to and it's very loose idea they're so structured around one thing doesn't really resonate with me or my audience or anything else i'm doing so help me help you this is my plan now how can i creatively get out of the box fix this issue at hand and what they want me to do make it work so that i win they win we all win as a creative that's our job you're not always going to have all the cards to be like this is sick we're shooting this this and this and everything's amazing and all this lines up that was fun that never happens typically you're you're dealt with some okay cards shitty cards or deadline and like semi decent location or when you know whatever sometimes it all looks great and it's all bad you know what i mean or vice versa but it's up to us to creatively come up with that approach to actually give back to them. Okay, that's the problem. I can't just be like, no, it doesn't work for me. That doesn't make you a good creative. That doesn't make you a problem solver. If you are excellent at your craft, you are a badass problem solver. That's the whole point of being creative these days is if you cannot solve your client's problem into your own problem that you have a resolution for and then resolve theirs, you are not gonna make it. So pitching to brands, if you can't take the shit that they give you and make it resonate and not be afraid to speak up and do something that actually you're proud of and give a shit about, it's not going to happen. And a lot of brands are going to be like, oh, we don't want you to do that. We just wanted you to do like some user generated stuff and do all that. And I'm like, oh, good. I tell stories with shit I want to do. My stuff needs to look more like a movie, not that. So obviously you didn't do any research in finding me. I don't know who gave you my name, but take two seconds and you'd see that I don't do any of that stuff. And I'm not going to because it doesn't resonate with me. And people would be like, what is this? Yeah. The stuff you did with Hyundai, I think, is the perfect example. I was looking at that and that stuff. You did like multiple videos yeah. with them and each one is just like so dialed, like yeah. to use your word. It, it really is. <laughs> like it looks like a fucking movie. Like it's great. It's like 
so elevated you don't think it's a brand deal you're mm-hmm. like yeah. this like who fucking the car just happens yeah. to be there yeah yeah well that's the thing too is we all agreed on that they said you know we want to have we do need to have the car in there in certain elements and this will be your transportation and i was like cool i want to use the truck to load up the ceramic uh table and stuff in the wheel that'll be great moving out the desert that works better we'll use the ionic six for like this more getaway luxury vibe to this because i do need to get away and reset but it's not going to be a pivotal thing it just can't because it'll look cheesy and it's dumb and no one's going to give a shit so you got to know that you got to trust me if i'm going to make this it can't just be like forced in there mm. it's how like nike never talks about the specs of their shoes it's just no. like how it it how makes, makes you, you feel, feel as yeah. an athlete no one gives a shit that's yeah, a thing they totally. want it to look dope and they're just like cool yeah no one cares and because it's so subjective when they put them on they'd be like this isn't as comfortable to my foot i love them but they just don't fit well yeah. like a lot of jordans are pretty clunky and they're flat-footed i love them but like they're not the most comfortable the ones are but like my jordan fours like the cement gray yeah. ones i said they're a little bit like flatter but my foot's pretty arched so after a while, they're uncomfortable, right? But I bought them because I love the look. Trying to be like Mike. Exactly. So it's like, you're exactly right. It's just, it's the way you can construct a narrative. And if a brand can get behind that, like Hyundai did for me, I honestly think a lot of people resonated. They're like, I don't give a shit about Hyundai or cars, but they're in my brain now because of what G did with his story. And if they gave me a platform and voice to do it and wanted to pay to do it, it was like, I want to talk about this anyway but I'll just work it into a creative approach on how to work with the brand and do it that way. I didn't need them. They didn't need me. I didn't need them to do that. I just thought this might be an opportunity to kind of voice some of this shit and get real with people. Totally. Yeah. You've dropped so many gems this episode. It's been incredible. Is there a piece of advice that you've received from somebody else along your journey that is like the best piece of advice that has stuck with you? Hmm. I hear stuff all the time that just hits me and I'm like, wow, that was pretty simple. But, um, I think that I, I, I said, don't, you know, stop and smell the roses, but I think that any piece of advice, man, is just as genuine, as authentic as you can be yourself. Fucking do that. You have to do that because that's the only thing that's going to separate you from the next person. Let that live and breathe in your work. And and if that's the case, the other piece of advice from me to everyone else is bring people with you in that zone because we all need each other, man. We do. It's not a race to the top. I feel like I've been at the top in moments of my life and it is lonely as hell and you feel like there's nothing really there. Like I said, living alone, you might have money now and might be able to afford things and doesn't bring you any more happiness at the end of the day. It's just stuff. And if you can bring people with you to also share that happiness and that humility and that authenticity, because that's who you, you know, that's who you attracted, man, I feel like that's just like where all the riches are in your life. You guys being friends, working together, trusting each other. It's like that, that's the shit that you just can't make up, you know? So I think that's what my advice would be. I love that. And if you could go back, last one for you, and talk to your 18-year-old self before he went on this journey, what's one thing that you would tell the 18-year-old Gary King? Trust your gut, man. Go for it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 88 of the 505 Podcast. Make sure to leave us a like, hit a comment. We'll see you all next week. Peace. Later.